Hi, friends. Welcome. This is Carla with your Age is Not Your Cage. And today I have an amazing guest with me that many of you will probably recognize her if you are on Instagram at all. Um, but I have Julia Lynn with me today, and I'm going to read a few things from her bio just so I make sure I don't forget anything. And then I will let her explain in detail the rest. But Julia is 66 years old. I know you don't believe that. She is a fitness influencer, a wellness expert, a certified coach, an author, a motivational speaker, and a competition bodybuilder. I mean, all of that. And she's 66. Uh, Julia's story is of transformation that includes childhood diabetes. She almost died at 34 from complications. Uh, she had a double organ transplant that saved her life. And for those of you that follow my story, you know, I donated a kidney in June. So this is so near and dear to my heart. At 48, she had a triple cardiac bypass and at 50, a thyroidectomy. Can you believe it? Um, Julia was a university professor. Instead of retiring at 62, guess what? She decided to get fit expressing her gratitude for the gift of life for the or that the organ transplant gave her which is so incredibly beautiful this led to julia beginning to do bodybuilding competitions for women 60 plus that also led into her being a certified uh personal trainer and a mindset coach and julia then founded her company i love the name Body, Beauty, Love, Life. And she coaches women 50 plus online all over the world. She lives on the East Coast with her husband of 34 years and their two dogs. And so I would love for you to help me welcome Julia Lynn to the podcast. Welcome, Julia. Thank you, Carla. Thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate it. The opportunity. And that was a great introduction. Thank uh, you. Uh, well, it's just the story of your life and it's just so incredible. And so I kind of, I want to start there and let you share, even though I shared just the little tidbits of it, each of each thing is, is kind of taken us back um, to your earlier years and then, and what that looked like um, for you through all the things that I explained that you've been going, that you went through. Yeah, I think a lot of people wonder. In fact, I had one uh, interviewer for a, for a UK newspaper. Her editor said, "Why would a Why would a woman in her sixties do this?" And it's you know what she's doing is impossible. It's restrictive. It's uh, obsessive, and all this. And I thought she needs to to know my life story because from the outside it might look that way. But you know, as children, we gain skill sets to survive. And I, it started early with me. I was eight years old and I had a younger sister at the time who was five. She was diagnosed with cancer and she suffered for a year mm -hmm. before she wow. finally passed away. I saw that, you know, getting face to face with death as a child made me question everything. And I saw what it did to my family, it really, um, obviously, my parents were never the same after that. My mother went into an emotionally dark cave and was not available. So I was really kind of on my own, I felt, as a child. And then at 11, I was diagnosed with diabetes, which I truly believe 
was brought on by the stress of my sister dying. They found through research that children that have a serious life event, their autoimmune system will go crazy, very often attack the beta cells in the pancreas, and you become diabetic. Well, anyway, I, it was very hard to control my diabetes as a young person, even though I did everything I could. I was the latest on diabetes research. I just, whatever I did, my body wouldn't respond. And I had to live with that day in and day out. I was taking six shots a day. I, I once counted in my arms, I've had 40,000 insulin shots over the years that I was wow. diabetic. Yeah. And because of the brittle nature of my diabetes, and not everybody has this, so anybody who's listening that has diabetes type 1 or a child with type 1 diabetes, my story is not going to be their story. We're talking about the 60s and 70s. Everything's changed. And also my body was just didn't respond to what treatments they had at that time, which was one shot a day. Then I wore an insulin pump. Anyway, by the time I was 34, as you said, I had all the major complications. I was going blind with retinopathy. My kidneys were failing. I had heart disease and I had neuropathy, which is nerve damage. And my husband, I had only been married two years and I'd gone to the doctor and they basically said, you know, your kidneys are failing. They're going to fail in the next two months. We can put you on dialysis, but you'll only live to 40 if you make 40. And they didn't say it in such a cold way. I remember the doctor was, he didn't really know. I, I had came in with a book that I was reading and he started asking me all about the book. And I'm thinking, why is he just telling me the results of my test? He, why, why is he interested in this book? He was trying to get me to feel safe with him. And then he said, you know, you need to be on dialysis, but your prognosis is the same as someone with stage four cancer, five years at the most. And he said, but we also have an alternative. You're relatively young and we're doing kidney transplants and pancreas transplants. It's very experimental. The pancreas was, but we'd like to offer you that option. And here's what could go wrong. And it was like, you could die on the operating table. You could die before the operation. You could die after because I'd be under anesthesia for such a long time. But I told my husband, and we were so in love, and we still are after 34 years, that I just didn't want to live with diabetes anymore. I mean, yeah, they could put me on dialysis. I didn't want to go that route. And yeah, I could get a new kidney and a pancreas. The pancreas would cure the diabetes in the best of circumstances. And I thought, this is a risk I want to take. If the risk I have to pay is death, I'm okay with that. And I've been okay with death probably since my sister died because I went on a search in terms of what does that mean? Why did she only get six years? And I went on a whole spiritual search and then had my own experience with being an out of the body, a near-death experience and realizing that my body isn't who I really am. <laughs> it's the outer yeah. covering. And I think many of us know this intuitively, but we just don't walk around with that being foremost knowledge. But it became foremost knowledge for me. And I just thought I would rather not be here than with diabetes than take the risk. And I did take the risk. Obviously, it worked out. And I woke up that morning and I see you and it was like my body was working. It was absolute. And the 
Retinopathy reversed. I still have a little vision issue. The neuropathy kind of corrected itself. My nerves got healthy again. So I got nerve feeling back. My, and I had a working kidney. The diabetes was cured. The only thing that didn't get better was the heart disease. So I had a triple bypass at age 48. So eventually I, you know, I've always been athletic and active and as a child, not so much as I got sicker and sicker, but at 62, I just thought, this is it. This is my chance to really honor my donor, honor my life and take care of myself. And I started working out, lifting weights, which we all thought it's about high cardio and low carb, right? Mm -hmm. That's not the answer. And so I didn't care about losing weight. I just cared about being healthy. So I began this journey and it completely transformed more the inside of me than my, even though the outer transformation has been profound, it changed how I look at everything and how we're given the gift of life. And women in our age group have so much to give. We, we have wisdom, we have experience, we have a bright light. But here's the thing. If you don't feel well, the world doesn't get your magic. And so for me, that became my message and my, that is my message that you've got to get healthy because you don't really know what dreams want to come through you and manifest. You don't know if you don't feel well, you're too busy not feeling well, you're too busy finding ways to feel better, or you just don't want to get off the couch. And I understand that. And you shouldn't be shamed for that, but there are doors you can open actions you can take immediately to feel better and you will transform in much bigger ways than just your body. And that's what I love. Yeah. Okay. So before we move on, I want to ask a couple things on that. Do they still do pancreas transplants? Is they that do. they do? Okay. Cause they I do. knew liver and kidney, but I had not heard about pancreas transplants. Yeah, they do. In fact, I was one of the first this was in 1991. And when I came around as a candidate through the university hospital where I was being treated, which is a research teaching hospital as well as care, only 2000 had been done. And that was part of the risk. We don't really know. And in the meantime, they've, they've changed the way they do it. And I've had, you know, people message me and say, oh, my, my son or my daughter, they're type one diabetic. I didn't know you could get a pancreas transplant. I'm going to talk to my doctor about that. And I always want to be clear that it's a last ditch effort. If you don't get it, you're going to die. Diabetes can be managed. And some people have no complications, no trouble at all. I knew a woman in her 50s diagnosed at age two. She never had the blindness or the neuropathy or any of that stuff. So it's not an elective surgery because yeah. someone else has to die for you to get their organ and they're not going to give it to someone who's who can survive without it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, you know that like a person can't survive without one working kidney and right. for you to, to give that gift of life to someone, Carla, that's so profound. I honor you so much for that. You're like, 
You're amazing. Mm, Well, thank you for that. It was, you know, it's one of those situations where when you have a lifelong friend and they're faced with that situation um, and she puts it out there, several of us, you know, applied to do it. And I kept going forward and it just, it it all ended up kind of spiraling fast and happened uh, um, pretty quickly. And that was in June and we're both doing amazing. She's doing amazing. And that's what I was going to ask you when you were talking about how your diabetes reversed and, and how the different things went away was, was most of that pretty sudden or did it take time? Because my, my friend, like she woke up noticing a difference in stuff right away. And I mean, so it's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. And yes, I when I woke up, I mean, I was obviously on painkillers and all that stuff, but I felt amazing. I felt like my body felt when I was 10 years old. I I knew everything was working. And I even have the blood lab printout from that morning that shows where my uh, creatine, uh, my creatinine level for my kidney function went from 6.0 to 0.9, where my blood sugar went from like 600 down to 90. It was like immediate. And the other thing was probably for two months, it was a struggle. I did have one rejection episode in the hospital that they took care of, but it was a struggle because I had these two big, um, you know, where they cut me open. So they don't take the organs out. They actually find a new place inside the pelvic bones for the pancreas and the kidney. They don't, it's not like a liver or lungs or heart where they take the old ones out, put the new ones in. So healing from that took about two months. So I, though I felt so much better, I didn't really have a lot of energy, but there was just one day I woke up after two months and I was like, whoa, I feel totally amazing. I, I just, I just did. I just, you know, everything did reverse. The greatest gift I've ever had in my life is to be, I feel like I was healed of diabetes. I was Mm -hmm. absolutely healed. And my donor, I think of her, Gina, she was 25, died in a car accident in Colorado. Her mom and I wrote letters for a long time, but the hospitals would not let us know exactly who we were. It was all kind of first names only, no addresses. And then my letters were returned and her stopped. So I think her parents passed away, but I, you know, I'm just Mm. forever indebted to that, to that family. Um, Yeah. And I love how you are honoring that gift she gave you. I mean, what a beautiful way for you to honor that gift by what you're doing now. I mean, it's just incredible. And before we move on from the health, uh, this piece of it, your thyroidectomy, what brought that on? I had a hy- hyperthyroid. So mm. it was overactive. Yeah. And because I'd had heart surgery, they didn't, they didn't want it, you know, they didn't want it to affect my heart. Plus it was just too hyperactive. And I wasn't one of these people that, you know, got, lost a lot of weight because I had a hyperactive high thyroid. It was really to my due to my heart health that they wanted to remove it. And so that's what we did. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So going forward, let's talk about what did your lifestyle, what did everything look like before you started on this journey of um, 
wanting to be in your best health ever. And uh, mindset for you, uh, there's so many things I want to talk about because mindset too is such a huge piece of what I'm all about, what I talk about, because I feel like if, if we don't get that right, the rest doesn't fall in place so easily. So let's talk about where you were before um, in your health journey and kind of, because it was an instant and that's what I want you to share. It's not like you just all of a sudden decided and it wasn't all about going on a diet either. Exactly, exactly. So I've always, and I hear a lot of women say this and I, they, I get a lot of questions about this. I eat healthy and I exercise regularly, or they'll say, I go to the gym five days a week and I eat healthy. I don't see the changes that you, that, that I see in your body. Well, yeah, I ate healthy and exercised all during my forties and fifties. But to me, exercise was walking to and from the university, two miles each way. So four miles a day, eating healthy was prioritizing vegetables and staying away from sugar and not, I don't drink, you know, it was just like healthy, but you know, you can get a big salad and it can have candied pecans on it and cheese and dressing. That's a healthy salad, right? No, it's full of fat and sugar. So women need to educate themselves on what that really means to eat healthy. It's not just not eating sugar or thinking that dressing up a big salad with all these accompaniments are going to be healthy. You need to prioritize protein and eat complex carbs and healthy fats. And so I had to dial in my nutrition. I knew I had to because I was exercising and eating healthy, but I was still 35, 40 pounds overweight. And the mindset part was really I've always been a spiritual person and I honor anybody else's belief system. I believe that, you know, there's one source and we all find our divine connection to that in whatever way works for us. And that's truth for each person. And to me, that's, that's sacred, but I always approached it from the body instead of from the end, like the, the center of me as a soul, like, what do I really want to accomplish? Who am I really? What are my longings? And the mindset part is the lens that we look at life through from, I think, a soul viewpoint. And from a soul viewpoint, there's knowingness, there's peace, there's calm, there isn't that longing. But the mindset piece, the lens we look through, can have all kinds of chaotic messages and traumas from childhood and false beliefs and all of that. And so our high self or our true self never gets all the way down to the physical, maybe in certain periods of our life or in certain areas of our life, like good relationships and successful at your career. But when it has to do with your body, you cannot, I say this a lot, you can't paint a car red and expect it to go faster. Hmm. You have to go to the, you know, the insides, take them apart, see what's not working. And we always seem to have goals like, well, that reunion or that wedding or that event that I want to look good for, that's so temporary. And my goal or my vision, let's say, because I believe in vision more than goals, vision is you you adopt it right now. My vision was that I wanted 
to be who I knew I could be strong and fit and lean. And what fueled me was this gratitude for life, which is way different than being fueled by that wedding where you want to like look kick-ass and impress everybody. Yes. What the hell? Who cares at this <laughs> age? Really? I mean, honestly, women at our age, we're like, I think we're all to the point where we we really don't care what somebody else thinks. So why have such a shallow goal? Find a bigger why. And that really something I realized later, it was no longer, I wanted to lose weight. I wanted to get healthy in gratitude for and in honor of my life and my donor and to be around for my loved ones, which is more sustainable. It's a long-term vision. There's no end point. It's an ongoing journey. That made all the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Because when your why is something bigger like that, and I, I think it is so true at I'm 58, almost 59, and it's at this point, we have so much more just wisdom and uh, confidence in who we are. I wasn't always a confident person. And I don't care what other people think anymore. And I don't buy into what the culture says about aging and and that kind of we're that washed up, don't matter. We have so much to say and so much at this age that I think can empower and equip and help women coming up behind us, which is such a passion of mine is mentoring and helping women as they're they're coming along even I mean, 50s, but 40s, some even 30s. I have friends in their 30s and I just love our friendships because they pour into me and I pour into them. They help me understand their generation. I help them understand ours. And I think that's so vital and so important. It's important for women our age and above to speak up and to share and to let women know there is more to this life. We're not, my other friend, she's 80. And she says, um, if you're still here, you're not done. And, you know, she's just like, I have so much living to do that. Why would I, why would I stop now? And she just has such an energy and a beautiful um, peace and joy about her. That's what I want. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we all have the the memories of our grandmothers. And if you're lucky enough to have known your great grandmother and how women aging, how they were treated and how they were looked at and how they looked, yeah. it was kind of like, well, I'm done, you know, and I would imagine a woman, you know, that would have that has had five or 10 kids would get to the point where they're like, I'm done trying to show up in the world in a way where I feel confident and sexy and glamorous because I've done that and I'm done with that. But we do it for ourselves. And we also, I think, again, it goes back to health. I mean, some women aren't girly. Some women are very glamorous. It's owning who you are and being okay and being proud of who you are, being age proud and confident and then treating your body with love. I think self-love is the also one of the main ingredients to get healthier and to take better care of yourself and not self-sabotage. And a lot of women self-sabotage with emotional eating or binge eating or using food as a 
distraction or as a medication, you know, just to kind of zone out, even to celebrate something. And if we could just be more aware of who we are and the power we have, like what you said in this whole, to me, a community of women is amazing. It's so powerful. And we can all support and help each other. And that's what I really love in my programs is that it's the community aspect. We don't do this alone. You know, yeah. we never do it alone. And having other people and being in a safe place to share what you're going through, it really helps the journey. And then you get your own confidence and then you can pay it forward in whatever way that you want to, like you are with your podcast. Yeah. Well, and so many women just are logging for community and want community and surrounding yourself with other women that are on this same track as you as trying to better their health, trying to better their mindset, speaking life over, the, over themselves, pouring in. And like you said, owning who they are, not comparing to someone else online or someone 20 years younger than you, you know, and I find that if I go down that path, I'm like, but that's not me. And that's not where I'm at. And that's, that's not healthy, you know, for me. And it's, it's that staying in your own lane, and and doing what's good for you and remembering your why, because my why for me in loving to um, share women's stories like yours and and doing what I do is my why is because of my dad who just passed away a few weeks ago from Alzheimer's. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he started with diabetes and just the path. He had so many of the things you had, the retinopathy, the um uh, the neuropathy, all the all the things. And I watched his journey and it became my why that I I don't want to follow that same path. And um, you know, it's it's the why of that and watching my kids when they were younger just struggling with these food allergies and and all the things that they went through. So it became my why to just help people become their own best health advocates and, and do what it is for them to get healthy and not just about the outside. It's okay to want to be beautiful and to, to feel good in your own skin, but it's about the inside yeah. um, is what I feel is so important. And, and that's why I know you talk a lot about that mindset because, uh, you know, and I know you teach that in your coaching it's so key because if you're telling yourself negative things and I can't do this or I'll never get to this or do that, um, if you're not visualizing that and believing that, you're probably not going to get there. Right, right. Well, I'm Carla, I just want to say I'm sorry for the loss of your dad. I, Thank you. I experienced that too not long ago and he had diabetes and Alzheimer's and COPD and mm -hmm. uh, that's a big loss. So yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, yeah. thank you. Yes. Same to you. It's, it's definitely hard. And I, you know, it's been a few weeks and I just, I'm, you're, you're my first interview since, oh. and it's, you know, it's, this is what I love to do. And, and so it just gets me back, back out there and it's what he'd want me doing too. Yeah. That's such a great way to look at it too. I, I often think about what I'm doing now and how proud my dad would be of me because yes. he was an entrepreneur, amazing. And we were very close. And I mean, honestly, I still feel his presence very strongly. I'm sure you do too. Yeah. 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 
Um, but so tell me about, uh, tell the listeners about what you are doing now, because we haven't talked much about how you got into uh, the the competitions and the bodybuilding and the weightlifting, because I would love to dig deeper into that because, and, and working out and the things that are good for women, our age, menopause and beyond, because for me, I am such an advocate for strength training, weightlifting. Um, and I, I obviously know you are too. So share your journey with all of, all of that. Well, the, the, when I was in Mexico and decided it was time for me to get in shape at 62, we were living in Mexico. I joined an online fitness challenge, just thinking, okay, this is for people 40 and over, easy on the joints. And I won the challenge, which I couldn't believe, but I didn't know there was going to be a winner. I just thought it was like your personal challenge. And then we moved back to the States and I hit a plateau. I kept doing the program that I learned, but it was the same five exercises, lower body, same five upper body Every every other day, you would switch off, but it was the same. There was no variation. It was all dumbbells, free weights at home. But I did get, you know, I lost, I think, about 10 or 15 pounds. It took me four months, to, or three months to lose 10 pounds. But I, I hit a plateau. It was like my body wasn't changing anymore. So I went to a local gym and I told him, what my what I wanted. I said, I want to be strong and lean. And he said, okay, I'll coach you to that. And he saw how hard I was working. He was also, you know, advising me on my nutrition. He wasn't a he he didn't use macros. I hadn't started using macros until my third year, basically, second or third year working out. And he saw me working so hard and he said, Julia, you should compete. And I thought, what do you mean compete? I didn't know what he was talking about. And he said, a master's bodybuilding bikini competition. And and, and all I could think of was like wet t-shirt contest. It's like, <laughs> what is he talking about? I didn't know anything about women's bodybuilding. And I and he said, when he said bikini, that just turned me off. I was like, no one's, and I said, no one wants to see a 63-year-old woman or 64-year-old woman in a bikini and me on stage, there's no way. And then I went home and did some research and saw some of the shows and the posing. And I'm like, nah, this is not for me at all. But then the pandemic happened and um, I had to get a coach that was online and I kept working out. And that's when I was introduced to macros. And that's also when I began to see women's bodybuilding from a female perspective and did more research and thought, hey, I could do this. I, you know, I realized there were women in my age group doing it. I wanted to do it. So I did. And my first show, I got first place. It's the only competitor, but I still got first place. That's okay. Yeah, I showed up. And then my second show, I got third. And then I just kept competing, not so much to win anything, but I love having that sort of vision of where I want to go and accomplishing something. The real joy for me is going to the gym every day. And so I would say the bodybuilding is a focus in my life, but the bigger focus I have now is coaching women 50 plus to integrate that high self with their body, connect the two, give them action steps, the nutrition, the training, the community, 
definitely the mindset. We work with the mindset because that is what stands in your way for success. You can go to the gym every day and think you're eating clean, but your mind, you won't even remember times maybe that you're taking bite, licks, and taste because you're not committed. You aren't coming from the highest part. It's more, again, externally focused. And that's a very weak platform from which to begin a fitness program. You hate your body, so you want a quick fix. You want a quick diet. You want to get out of this feeling of hate as soon as you can. So you lose the weight and you realize, I still hate my body and I'm not happy. So it has to go much deeper than that. And and maybe saying hate is too strong a word. But the body dysmorphia we have, and we don't connect who we really are, the body and spirit just aren't connected. And so it's more holistic. And that's what I really am working on now is is providing programs and thinking of how can I serve more women? How can I help them make this transformation? And because we are 50 plus it's not going to be a quick fix. You need to understand it's going to be sustainable. It's going to be slow, but you're going to learn so much. And by the end of it, or as you continue, because there is no end, there is no end to the fitness journey. Certainly there's an end to your relationship with a coach. You need to teach women to fish, not just give them fish. I want them to self-coach. I want them to know, and then maybe they become coaches. And we spread this out in the world for women who feel like it's I'm done it's all over I'll never you know get my beauty back my glamour my energy my lust for life my love for life I'll never get it back and that's just not true and I never thought I would be like so on fire about this and part of it Carla for me is that I didn't have children because of my health it, I wasn't able, it was not, it was too, it was too much of a risk. So I don't have, even though I have a stepdaughter and she's fabulous, she came into my life when she was 12, but I don't have children where I saw them grow from infancy to adulthood. I don't have that sense of time in my own life that, okay, maybe I was 25 when I had them and now I'm 66 and I can see time passing in them. I don't have that. I never had that reflection of, oh, I'm getting older. It's not in my mindset. And I think that's one of the reasons I've been able to do what I do, because I just ignore these ideas that I'm too old. I don't feel old. I yeah. In my head, I'm not. That is, that's such a good point. I've never thought of it that way. And, you know, for me, I didn't have children until later. I was 36 and 38. And so I was always kind of one of the little bit older moms. Um, but I, I don't, I try not to think about it as I'm going along now. Um, because if I sit there and think about the fact that I am older or how long, how old, long am I going to be around when they're this old or this old, I don't want to go there because I don't know. And so I just want to keep, um, keep living my life and staying as healthy as I possibly can. And knowing that at any age, we can do this. And I think that's one thing that, um, you know, you're really good 
at sharing with women is it you can start this at any age. I mean, when you look at you really got going at 62, I really want the listeners to hear that like 62. That's that's past where I even am right now that you were like, okay. I need I need to get started. I need to get healthy. And how many women out there start giving up already in their 40s or 50s? Yeah. 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 And and the other thing that happens is they get they can get started. And I've got a lot of clients that have had amazing success, like 70, 60 pound weight loss, getting off medication and and then getting off the medication is is always with their doctors. I n- I'm not yeah. a medical professional and I would never advise on that, but it's just, they start getting healthy and their body doesn't need it anymore. And their doctors recognize that, but some women aren't ready for the transformation. They, 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 they think of all kinds of reasons they can't do it. And I, if you go into a program or a fitness journey with the idea of, and we all have complete reason to feel this way, I just don't want to fail again. That's a lot of women come into it with, I just don't want to fail again. It should be, I'm going to win this time. I'm I'm going to win this time and really believe that because if it's just like, okay, it's another program and spending more money. I don't know. You know, yes, that's so demoralizing. And so that, again, is a mindset. It's to get out of that mindset that you can't do it and that whatever you've done in the past, I really emphasize with women, it's not your fault. The diet industry has not given us the correct information. They know it. They don't give it to us. So high cardio, low carb, yeah, you'll lose weight. You'll also lose all your muscle. You'll lose fat and muscle. And then your skinny fat, you don't feel any better. A woman needs to feel strong and she needs to have muscles. And I recently, I say recently in the last two months from my last show, I was 105 pounds. I'm now between 115, 117. That's 10 or 12 pounds I put on in two months. I feel so good. And because I've been working out for four and a half years, it didn't come on my body as fat. It's recompositioned itself. It's feeding the muscle I do have. And I look solid. You know, I don't have the issues I had when I started, which were bloated belly, bat wings, you know, dowager hump, jiggly thighs. I don't have that. Your body changes and transforms. So laying down those years of lifting weights. And so I feel free to go on vacation and not be so strict about my diet. Of course, I make great choices. I I eat moderately, but I've got such a good foundation. Whereas some women, they're on a diet, they go on vacation, they're like, okay, I'll make good choices. And they don't. And their sugar cravings get, you know, exacerbated and their sugar addiction. And, and then they just say, what the hell, I can't do this. And that's an all or nothing mindset, another mindset block yeah. that I work it, with it, a lot. It's a roller coaster then too, that you're constantly staying on instead of a sustainable lifestyle. And I think that's what's so important is finding what that is for you that is sustainable, that you you can go on vacation and enjoy without guilting yourself and shaming yourself. 
And um, I, I think that's just so important for women to understand is it has to be not just a program, but something that is sustainable that will work with your lifestyle. Exactly. Exactly. You learn the principles, you experience the results, and then you're empowered to take it where you want to take it, but you don't stop. You don't stop and you have to be patient. And the other thing that I that I emphasize is that our bodies are physical matter. They're made out of physical matter, you know, dust to dust and all that. Well, trees, the ocean, animals, the earth, it's all physical matter. It's part of nature. We're part of nature. And so our body has cycles and seasons too. I mean, obviously women's periods with the moon, We are so connected to the natural cycles. And then when it comes to our body, we want to lose that weight. Like I want to lose 30 pounds in a month. It ain't happening because that's physically not possible unless you're in the ICU and you're in a coma and you're on an IV. Maybe you'll lose 30 pounds in a month, but that's that's obviously not sustainable or healthy or even makes any sense. So thinking about your own body and giving it the time it needs to transform. And when you get discouraged, just know that the change is on the way, that you are transforming, it's on the way. I used to look in the mirror after, you know, I felt the first day I picked up dumbbells in Mexico four and a half years ago, I thought, I'm her, 100%, I am her. I could feel it, I was being it, I knew it, it was just really I had the transformation like in a second. It was, I don't know where that came from, but it just came into my awareness. And I'm like, I'm her. And I'd look in the mirror and I'd just go, well, she's not here yet, but she's on her way. (laughs) You know, rather than look in and go, oh my God, the jiggly thighs and the big, no, I don't ever go there. I don't ever go there. And once you've had years of building muscle and feeling great, and you put on five or 10 pounds, you're like, still looks pretty good on me. I'm, you know, it's not a threat. And you don't fall into this guilt and shame like you were talking about. It's so empowering. And on top of that, you feel good because you're healthy. I mean, watch out if all women over 50 were to like, make this a goal or be that that have that vision. uh, We we add so much to life, healing, giving, generous, nurturing. That's who we are. Yeah. But you got to feel good. Yeah. And, and, and women need to hear that. And they need to hear that um, we're all different. And just because what works for Susie over here does not mean it's going to work for me just because she's doing keto or paleo or whole 30 or uh, all the million things out there. And none of them does, uh, all of them are great. But it's it's realizing that what works for her doesn't mean it works for you. And again, going back to finding that what works for you and um, and learning. And that's what that's the thing that I tell my clients, too, is I'm constantly talking to them about if they ask me a question about an ingredient or whatever it may be. Go look it up. Go research. Go be your own advocate, because it's like you talked about. I want them to eventually not need me 
Like I want them to have the tools in that toolbox where then they can go and like you said, pay it forward and and help someone else and empower and equip someone else. But just remembering that we're all so different um, and that just that one thing doesn't mean that it's for everybody. So true. It's so true. And I know that the macro approach works for me. But I also know I have clients that, you know, they have an issue with carb. And it's not that 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 they're afraid of carbs, which a lot of women are. They don't digest it well. And so we kind of have to figure out what kind of carbs can they handle. And a lot of times it's food intolerances or they've got a little bit of um, not irri- irritable bowel syndrome, but there is a diet for people with IBS, the FODMAP foods where right. you eat, you you stay away from certain foods. But that again, like you said, it's such an individual path. There is no one size fits all in anything. And even in a training program, you know, if you've got rotator cuff issues or you get an injury on your upper body, I'm going to have you do lower body exercises until that corrects itself and your biggest muscles are in your lower body. So you're not losing anything. It's the, I think the important thing is to find a workaround, a modification and support women where they are and what they're comfortable doing. I never force anybody to do my way because that's my body, my way. Let's find your way. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. And you know, the other thing is the importance of getting healthy and and digging deep to what what that is for that person at a young age too because i think it's so important that younger women also don't start buying into what our culture seems to tell everybody that you have to have this to be beautiful or this or this or this and you know when i started doing your age is not your cage one of the the promises and goals i made to myself was i was not going to add fluff to things i was not going to filter i was and i could tell you there's times i would go to put something up going oh but do i have to you know that sure would look nice with a, a little filter on it but i wanted to be honest and true to your age is not your cage and showing women it's okay to have wrinkles. It's okay for there to be things. It's what happens when we age. And it doesn't mean we don't take care of it or do things that could help us uh, improve our skin texture or whatever it is. Um, But I just want women, the younger women, as they start getting in their 50s, 60s, to realize it's beautiful. I always say it's your wrinkles that show how much you laughed and showed expression, whatever. Um, so I'd love to hear your your thoughts on all that. Oh, I, to- I totally agree. And I get questions all the time because I do show bikini pictures and people say, ask, have you had breast implants? Have you had a facelift? Did you have skin removed? Are you on HRT? And at first it used to annoy me because I thought, this is all from hard work. What do you mean? A facelift and skin removed and breast implants. And then a follower said, she asked those questions and she said, I only want to know because I want to know if I can do it too. And my heart just 
like went, oh God, this is all, that's the only reason people are asking, women are asking. So I've been very transparent that I don't take HRT. I can't because of my heart disease. I've not had a facelift. I've not had breast implants. My first show, The Bikini Maker, I had lost so much weight. My, I just really, my chest was like <laughs> two deflated balloons, basically. And the top didn't fit me well. The second year, I got a much better bikini designer to make. And, you know, you could push those girls up. Yes. And, they, and so, no, no breast implants. And then I did a post not long ago where I showed my wrinkled belly on the left. I took a picture. I was posing in my kitchen. I thought, whoa, look at the wrinkles on that belly. And then I took that picture and I photoshopped and smoothed out my belly. And I said, this is the real me. This is the photoshopped me. I prefer the real me with the wrinkly belly. And women also ask me, um, what about my crepey skin and my loose skin? And I just always say, if they're older, be more concerned about your heart health because crepey skin and wrinkles is not is not going to hurt your health. But not having a healthy heart is being, you know, obese is. So some women say, I don't want to lose weight because I don't have a loose skin. The loose skin is not going to kill you, but the, the being overweight is going to shorten your life. And the mm-hmm. last thing I'll say about that too is that I'm also very transparent. I have gotten I'm, and I do get Botox in in um I have a really wrinkly forehead because I'm just part of it is my eyes squeeze down and I'm always like <laughs> trying to open them up. So that makes me feel more relaxed and and I've had a little bit of filler in my upper lip. I'm never going to get fish lips, but Otherwise, they have no lips. And I just like that my husband doesn't even notice. He That's how subtle it is. It's like he's he just doesn't even notice. So and you can do a lot with makeup, but that's the only I never filter my photos. I don't retouch my photos. I don't if I'm going to stand up there and say aging is a beautiful thing and accept and love your body the way it is. Why would I do that? And then give the message to women that's not real. To me, that that it's lying. It's it's basically lying. And there's a guy on Instagram that calls out people all the time where he'll show where they took Photoshop and pulled in the waist and made the chest bigger. And it and they're and these are fitness influencers. Why? This is so dishonest. I mean, they can even um you know, do this on videos. You can alter videos now too. They have software for that. And I just don't think you're serving people in any capacity when you don't walk the talk. And I, and I have a real problem with that. I really do. I just think that that's dishonest and misleading. And it adds to this culture of I'll never be beautiful enough. I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. I'll never look like her, you know, I, it's just so detrimental to women's mental health. Yeah, I love absolutely everything you shared in that. And and the, the influence and the people that I like to follow are the ones that that show the, the sagging tummy and the, you know, that that show the imperfections because they're beautiful that way. And and when it's it's photoshopped up and you can tell it's it's not not 
you know, a real picture and you can see there's been a lot of additions to it. That's not attractive to me. And I love how that lady asked you about that, because I think that's I think that's where it becomes unfair is when we're following someone and we're like, oh, you know, I I can do this because look at her. I want to do what she's doing. But if they've had the facelifts and the tummy tucks and all the things, then without you knowing that, it's probably not attainable for you. So I love the the people like you that are honest and are upfront. And um, it's 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 what makes it beautiful. And it's it's what we need to portray to women out there um, and show them that it is okay to have these little little things that might drive you crazy because it it is it's about what's on the inside and how healthy is your heart and your organs and your your mind and um all those things so i i love that yeah yeah and you know on the other hand if a woman wants to get those things i don't have any problem with that at that's all that's right their choice Cause, yeah cuz really to me the issue is If you're an influencer or you have a big following, just be honest about it. It's okay that you did it. Just don't act like you didn't. So women look at you and they're thinking, do I have to go under a surgeon's knife? Or they don't know. So there's a young business influencer, female on Instagram I follow. She's got millions of followers. And she showed up on Instagram one day and I'm like, is that her? I couldn't believe it. It didn't look like her at all. It looked like someone she's 30. It looked like someone 25. And she, in the next, um, I read through the comments and people were asking, what did you do? And she was really transparent. She goes, I got my eyebrows done and I got a nose job. And I thought, good for you that you just told people the truth, because we're all going to sit here and wonder, what did you do to your face? And if you don't answer that, she's beautiful anyway, both ways, she was beautiful. but. It's the honesty that has value. It's not whether you did it or didn't do it. Who cares? Yeah. Are you going to be honest about it if you're an influencer or are you going to like not talk about it and lie? I mean, one thing I know growing up and watching women age in celebrity culture was that European women never got facelifts. They just aged naturally. And they were so beautiful and there was something comforting about seeing the face you knew when they were younger and seeing the face they had when they got older. It was this beautiful passage of time. And like you said, it showed a lifetime lived instead of some of the Hollywood actresses that their skin is so tight. They, it's like wearing a mask. And many of them have said, I, I regretted my facelift. And so I think about that a lot, just how a face is an amazing example of the passage of time in a precious life. And why would you want to erase that? Why would you want to, you know, yeah, I look in the mirror sometimes and think, yeah, I got these, whatever. Oh, my God, my husband yeah. doesn't love me any less. My my friends don't love me any less. I'm not any less of anything. And I feel like we put value on the wrong things. And it's usually because there's something missing inside. You know, there's a self-worth issue. I'm not pretty enough. Maybe if I do this, I'll feel better. And 
what we find out is we try and manipulate our external circumstances or external world instead of our inner world, nothing changes. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, when I go through those times of looking in the mirror, when the makeup's not going on as smooth or whatever, or, or whatever it is I see, it's during those times, if I become aware of what I'm saying to myself in that moment, and I'm like, no, that's, this is not truth. You know, I'm still beautiful. When it, it's when I speak that life over myself, then how much better do I feel instead of letting that fester and sink in? And it's been a process. It, it is not an overnight thing. Um, yeah, but it's something that I consciously think of now and it helps so much. And, you know, I don't recall how I ended up finding you on social media. Um, I'm sure it was through someone. And, but I can tell you that I'm, I'm so thankful that I did. And because, I mean, you just resonate everything that I, I am about and that I try and, you know, share with women too. And you're just such an encouragement and you can tell you have such a beautiful, just a sweet spirit about you and, a joy about you. And I think that you are going to empower and touch so many lives as you go along. Thank you for that. Well, it's just, you know, you can feel it from certain people. And even though we don't know each other on a personal level, I think, you know, when you, you kind of follow someone on social media, you know, you almost feel like you, you, you know them well. And I can just tell from you that you just have something about you. And I think a lot of it is your love for life your love for yourself, your gratitude for life and for the life that you've been given. And it it shines through and it's so beautiful. Um, so I just, but before we go, I do want to ask you um, what's next? Like, so I, I usually ask whoever's on here, what are you, what are you doing that you're not letting your age be your cage, which we already see so much of it, but is there Anything new, anything that you're thinking of doing or trying or um, what is that for you? Yeah, well, I I don't know if you knew that I had um, a book published. In oh, I, I meant to talk about that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. My book came out in April and I was um, interviewed by NBC in New York on for a segment on their show, Access Hollywood, and that will be airing probably in the next two weeks on NBC. I'm not, I'm not sure she's going to, the producer, the senior producer is going to let me know. But really what I'm looking forward to is growing the program that I have so that I can reach more women and create a community of women that we support each other. We help each other. You know, it's to me, that's so important. It's just like Carla talking to you you feel like an old friend. Yeah. I mean, this is one of our superpowers as women in 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 dealing with each other. We there's just a re, there is a natural resonance and so I'm actually working with some business coaches that are helping me. I want to do live events where I can give women, you know, action steps to get on their fitness journey and they can be around other women in our age group. There's nothing like a party of women, you know, to to celebrate and have a common goal. So I'm really looking forward to community building and reaching more women and also um, doing motivational speaking. But I'll still do my 
bodybuilding, I might, I'm not going to do as many shows every year that I have been. And I'm also an, a, an accomplished artist. And I'd like to go back to that a little bit too in my off time. But I I just feel like, you know, as long as God wants me on earth, I'm just going to keep going. And I'm going to yeah. keep finding ways to share and serve and connect with people. And I just, I'm a people lover. So this is a, this is a perfect career for me to have at this point in my life. Mm, I love that. And so while we're talking about that, and I'll also put it in the show notes and I'll put your book in the show notes and we will be looking for you. I'm sure you'll put it on your page and announce when the Access Hollywood uh, interview is going to be aired, but um, where can people find you? And then we'll also put that in the show notes. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram and my handle is dolphin, I-N-E, dolphinine. It means dolphin-like. So dolphinine is on Instagram. And my website is bodybeautylovelife.com. And just think of your body is beautiful and you love your life.com. So bodybeautylovelife.com. I'm also on YouTube, Julia Lynn. And what else am I on? LinkedIn. You know, I think if you just Google Julia Lynn, I've been around on the internet now for a while that several things come up. And if you want to reach out and send me a message in Instagram, I answer all the messages I get, unless they're, you know, thirsty men with stupid <laughs> ideas. There's a lot of those out there. There aren't are they? a lot. I got like five of them today. And I'm like, and and it's a giveaway because they never follow you. They're just yeah. sending them out to every female they can find. Yeah. So, but anyway, if you send me an Instagram <laughs> direct message, I will answer you. Unless you're a thirsty man. <laughs> right. Then sorry, buddy. You got to go somewhere else. Yeah. I love that. Well, it has been such a joy to have you on. I have absolutely loved this. And I know my listeners are going to love it too. And I'm just so thankful and honored that you spent this time with me. And I I just I can't wait for everyone just to hear your story and get to know you and follow you and read your book and all the things. Oh, thank you, Carla. I so enjoyed talking to you and I so appreciate the work you're doing with women and your mindset is so powerful. I know you're serving a lot of women and changing a lot of lives and that is amazing. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. We'll take care and we'll be following along and just thank you for your time. I so appreciate you. Thank you, Carla. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.